are listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Our hope is for you to be encouraged and to connect with God during this message. If you'd like to know more about Thornapple Valley Church, visit tvcweb.com. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you all. Why don't you just turn to the person next to you, look at them and say, you're blessed. Come on, just turn to them and say, you're blessed. Say it with some attitude. So uh, a couple weeks ago, we ended a series, for those of you who weren't around, uh, called Foolproof, and we were talking about the subject of God's love, or real love, if you will. And the idea central behind it was that it wasn't just about God's love for us, but that he calls us to love other people with the same kind of love. And integral to that whole idea was the concept that love is not as much something you feel as it is something you do. So many people in our culture think love is just this thing that comes after you and you have no choice in it and I just fell in love and then they fell out of it and it's like they're completely without control in the area. But the truth about real love is is that it isn't so much a feeling that you fall into or out of, it is a choice that you make. It is a choice. It's something you do as a result of a choice. And I want to continue along those veins, only not with the subject of love. Because I think there's another subject where, uh, this is my opinion, you can disagree and be wrong if you would like to, but I think, actually, there are a number of areas like that, and I want to talk about one this weekend, and it's the idea of contentment. Contentment. I think a lot of people view this as something that's just a feeling. I remember uh, years ago, I mean, this was quite a lot of years ago. It'd been a cold, long winter, I think, just a lot of precipitation, a lot of cold and everything. And so now we're in spring, and it had been kind of a tough ministry season for Ann and I as well. And so we decided we were going to do a getaway. And we were really uh, looking forward to it. And we thought we'd go up north because it was spring and it was warming up. It was really nice. And so I said on the way up, I said, I want you to see my friend's uh, hunting cabin, because I'd been there many times fishing and hunting and all that, and I just wanted to see his place. It was way back in the woods, very rustic outhouse, you know, I mean, it was just very, very, very rustic. And so I took her up there and I showed her around and she got to see the whole uh, place and, and uh, the property in a little bit. And we're sitting on the front, uh, like the, the porch that it had on it. And I'll never forget this because I was just sitting there and it was what I would describe as the perfect spring day. And if you know what I'm talking about, it's like where you feel like you've been cold all winter and now the sun is shining and it's warming you right to your bones and it just feels good and the birds were singing and it it was just, I mean, it was just a perfect day. And I remember thinking to myself, I feel so content in this moment. It was just like, it was like everything was right in the world and I felt so good. And I had this, and I'm just, I'm just leaning back on this porch just going, I feel so content. And then my very next thought was, I got to figure out how to make this keep happening. And so I'm thinking about how, how can I get this again? And it came to me and it was obvious. And I looked over at Ann, she's leaning back with her face to the sun as well. And I just said, we got to get us a place like this. Now, maybe you can appreciate that my wife was not on the same page as I was about finding a place with an outhouse that we could have for a vacation thing. And so I just remember, she, and she may say it differently, but she, I just remember her looking at me like, what? You know? But I think the bigger question that was in her head was, why can't you just enjoy this moment? 
without trying to figure out how you can make it happen so that we'll keep having it, how you can buy something that will make us have this again. Why can't you just enjoy this moment? And it's a great question because it's something I have struggled with so much of my life. Instead of just enjoying the moment, being in the moment, I'm trying to figure out how I can reproduce the moment. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or am I all alone here? Come on, I, yeah, I mean, I just, I just like, well, I, gotta, I gotta do this again, I, gotta, I, want, I want this so it'll be on tap and I can have it anywhere. It's like a, a pastor out in California of a big church, Rick Warren, some of you have heard of him. He says this about humans, because I think this is, this is the way we are, is that we love to get all we can and then can all we get and then sit on the lid. So I can have it. I can, it'll be there for me when I need it, when I want it, when, when I want to just get that good feeling. We want that on the inside. And I think it's just a, a human thing in us because we all long to be content. You, you may not even have thought this through, but much of what you do on a daily basis is driven by your desire to have it fulfilled, content feeling on the inside. We want it. But I think we're confused about it. I think the issue is definitions. Because see, if you view contentment as simply that random feeling that comes over you in certain circumstances and it's just, it's just, it's just there, well, finding the ingredients that made that happen and, and buying them or getting them and whatever you can and putting them in the cupboard so you can just go there and mix it up and have some contentment anytime you need it, that makes perfect sense. The only problem, of course, is, is that it never really works that way. If you notice that, it's like, man, the last time I was here, this was so awesome. First time I did this, this when I did this ride or when I went to this place, it, and it just never seems to work that way. And I think it's because of the bigger truth, and that is, is that contentment is less about a feeling. It's more about a choice. It may be foreign to your thinking. I just want you to kind of to, to chew on that a little bit. Contentment is less about a feeling and more about a choice. Now, I should be clear here. I'm not saying that we don't get feelings of contentment. I love them when they come. I think they're wonderful. It's like everything comes together and you just feel contented and good and, and all that. But those feelings are not easily reproduced. It's like there's so many things involved in that moment when it happens that you can't reproduce what's going on in you, what's happening relationally around you, what's happening in the larger world. But this is what we do so often is that we're trying to, we're trying to reproduce them. It's interesting to me because now over all these years of having been a pastor, I've talked to new, this has happened to me multiple times where it's not like they just bring it up in conversation, but it happens. We come around to it where someone will talk after they bought their vacation property that they dreamed of having that would bring that contentment. I've heard people say this multiple times, that now it isn't such a wonderful blessing as it sits like a burden on their shoulders, because now it needs a new stinking roof, or now, you know, the sewer's clogged, or now this thing's happened, or that thing happened, or even bigger, and I've heard this one more times, they actually feel guilty that they don't use it more. We got this place up north, but I feel terrible about it because I'm never able to go there because I'm working so stinking much to pay for the darn thing that I never get to go up and enjoy it. And so that which was going to bring them great blessing sits like a burden on their shoulders. Those feel, it's just not the same. Those feelings, they're wonderful when they come, and they should be deeply enjoyed when you feel them. But to be forever seeking to duplicate them, this is my opinion, it's a fool's errand. My older brother, who passed away four or five years ago, something like that, he, uh, for a season of his life, was addicted to crack cocaine. And we, none of us, a family, because he was way out in L.A. living there, and 
We, we, you know, we, we didn't talk all that much, and so we didn't know what was going on. He just wasn't communicating with us. After he got free of it, I remember having a conversation with him one time, and he said this to me, and I, I, actually, I've never forgotten it. He said, he said, your whole addiction is about trying to experience the same high you had the first time you used. But he said, no matter how much you use or how often you use, you can never get back to that first high. See, we may not do that with drugs, but we do this all the time with our lives. Feelings of contentment are serendipitous. They come in, they just happen, they blow in, and they're wonderful. But the thing is, is that they're feelings. And feelings come and go with the wind. But living with contentment, now this is interesting because I'm convinced that living with contentment is not necessarily because of the external circumstances, and it can happen in our lives on an ongoing basis. The reason I feel that way is I don't think God would call us to that which we cannot do. And he actually calls us to live with contentment. This is what scripture says, Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says, be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. In other words, be content with what you have because I'm going to be with you. It's going to be okay. Notice it doesn't say feel content. It says what? Let's try it again. It says what? Be content. This is a choice you make. You be content with what you have. And what that means is it's actually independent, your contentment. It's independent of how you're feeling in the moment, what's happening around you in your life at the moment. Whatever the circumstances, you and I are called to be content. So let's be as clear as we possibly can. And I actually titled this message this thing, and that is that contentment is a choice because I want that in our thinking. I want us understanding contentment is not when I get this fixed. Contentment is a choice I make right now. So let's say it out loud together. Contentment is a choice. Say it with me. Contentment is a choice. Look at the person next to you and just say contentment is a choice. Just with a little attitude. Just say contentment is a choice. Contentment is a choice. It really is. It's something you choose over and over again every day, every hour. Really what we're talking about is an attitude or or a heart stance, if you will. The Apostle Paul wrote about it in this way, and these words are so powerful in Philippians chapter 4. He says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is, he said, to be in need. And if you read about his life, you know that he wasn't lying in that. He says, I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned, again, there's that word learned, the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And you think about what this man is saying, and it's stunning. He's saying, no matter what's happening in my life, I can live with a deep contentment. I have learned how to do this. This is, I mean, Whatever the circumstances, I can do this. And I think what he's saying is I can do this based not on what's going on, not on whether the house is working or the life is going like I want it or anything like that. He said, I can do it because of what I choose. I know God is still God. I know that his plan hasn't changed. I know that he still loves me. He still cares about me. So I can practice by choice contentment right here, right now. Now, as I was processing this, it actually made me think of a a quote that I have been daily reading and trying to get down on the inside of me that I read in a book by Henry Nouwen earlier this year. And so for months, I've been reading this quote actually daily. And this is what Nouwen says. This is powerful. He says, there's no such thing as the right place or the right job. I can be miserable or joyful, restless 
or at peace in all situations. Guys, that is so foreign to our thinking. That is so foreign to our thinking because most of us are like this. If I could just get rid of this stupid job that I have now and get one that brings me fulfillment. Can I just say this? I want to be careful because I can go off on a parenthetical thing here and last for an hour and I don't want to do this. But I think there's something in our culture today where everybody's telling us our jobs should make us feel feel fulfilled, that we have to have the right job. And unless we have the right job, we can never be happy. We think if I can't have the right husband or wife or significant other, if I can't have the, the, if my house is not the house that I want, if I have to live in this stupid apartment where I'm not building any equity, where nothing's really happening in my life, if I have to be stuck in this dead end, whatever it is, I can never be content because I have this stuff in my life. And we think I won't, I'll never. We are wrong. We are wrong. Do you understand that it is not your job, it is not the things that are happening around you? This is a part that you won't like. It is you. It's you. It's me. I love to blame my lack of contentment, my dissatisfaction, my anger, my resentment, whatever's going on. I love to blame it on other people or circumstances or things aren't going well or I feel pain or whatever it is. But it is not about those things around me. I am the issue. It's me. It's me. And I think we just have to hang out there a little bit. We have to think about this because some of us are just going, if I can get that job, if, I can, if we can finally get the house remodeled, if we can find, whatever it is, if the kids would just grow up and leave. <laughs> and that is a reasonable thought. I will agree with that. No, I'm just joking. We love to say, if this happens or when this happens, but those things are not the problem. It is me. It is me. So, of course, I think the question we would all have is if you actually buy into anything that I'm saying, if you actually, I, th- I think some of what you're saying makes sense, and, and, and I think I know I need to go, but how do I do that? How do I, like Paul, learn how to be content no matter what the circumstances? Well, first of all, let me just tell you, I am not the answer man. I don't have answers to all this, and I don't have it figured out. I'm striving for this in my own life. But at the risk of making it sound too simple, too, too obvious, I think, I think we have to practice this stuff. See, because I think, the, I think the problem is that we keep choosing to try to orchestrate our circumstances. Like, if I can just fix this and if I can get this taken care of, you know, we're going to make all these things happen. And, and, and then if I do that, then I, I will be content And so we're running like crazy people when the problem is not orchestrating the circumstances. The problem is what's happening in here. I think our focus is just in the wrong direction. Scripture puts it really well. This is what it says in Proverbs 4.23. It says, guard your heart above all else. Now you just stop and think about that one. Guard your heart above everything else more than your car, more than your house, more than your reputation, more than your 403, whatever, you know, 401k or whatever that is, more than all that stuff. You guard your heart. Why? Look at this. For it determines the course of your life. Oh man, if we could get this one. Your job does not determine the course of your life. 
Are you missing the fact that this is good preaching right now? I don't want you to miss that, all right? Your job does not determine the course of your life. Your family does not determine the course of your life. They impact it, there's no question. But what determines the course of your life is your, what? It's your heart. And what we do is we spend so much time and energy trying to orchestrate circumstances and bring things together so I can get this new thing or I can fix this or I can make this happen or I can, I can get this relationship or whatever it is and we think that's going to bring us contentment. It doesn't work that way. Rich people and poor people share the same thing when it comes to finding contentment or a sense of fulfillment in their life and that is it's about what's in them, not what's about, it's not about what's around them. And so, what I want to do is, I'm, I'm just going to give you three thoughts on this, because I think, this is what I think, I think we just have to practice this in the little daily areas of our lives. And so I'm going to give you three thoughts, and I don't usually do this, but I'm going to ask, would you be willing to pull out a piece of paper or something and write this down? Come on, would you do that? I know a lot of you are going to say, no, I never do that, and that's fine, but those of you who would, I'd love to have you three things I want you to write down, and they're very short, and I'm going to make this quick. And, and pull your phone out and act, you know, and I'll look at you with your phone and I'll think you're actually writing it down when you're looking at your Instagram. That's fine. I don't care. But any of you who would, I'd love to have you write these three things down because this is what I'm going to ask you to do. These are three simple things that I think we need to make application of in our life. And if you just chose one and focused on it for the next couple of weeks, I think it would, I would consider myself having taken the ball across the, the, the goal line for this talk. All right, here's the first one. And I told you these are simple things. And that is if you want to choose contentment, one of the things you have to do is you have to slow down. And I'm not saying this because everybody says, oh, I got to slow down. I need to slow down. Of course you do. We all know that we need to slow down. But what I'm talking about here has to do with motivation. See, I think we all know that getting the next thing done is not going to make you content. But this is what we do. We go, if I can just get this after this, I will be able to rest and enjoy myself. Come on, ever said that? After this. But have you ever noticed what's after this? Another one that it's going to have to be after this. And then after this. And you never get there. But if you believe that it's after this, and this is, a, folks, I'm standing up here ranting like a crazy person talking about this like I know it all. I struggle with this so much. There's something in me for most of my life that has felt like if I can just get this thing done, then I'm going to be happy. Then I'm going to really feel contented. Then I'm really going to... And so naturally, it makes sense that if that is true, that I would race to get this done. Because I want to get to that next thing that will make me contented. I want to get there to that place. And so I'm rushing, rushing, rushing. The trouble is, is that you're not going to get it by getting that done. There's always going to be another thing. You're only going to find it when you slow down and begin to experience life right here, right now. Slow down. Where you are, slow down so that you can experience life right now and right here. And that leads me to the second thought. And again, these are simple, and this is just be where you are. You could write, be present. Probably be more hip. Now, I know some of you right now are going, dude, did I walk into a psychology class? Is this, this is like pop psychology here. I thought, you know, he was Bible preacher or something like that. And I, I hear you, because it does sound a little like pop psychology. That doesn't mean it's wrong. Actually, I don't think it's wrong at all. 
I think scripture in so many places tries to help us see this idea. Slow down and be where you are. You know, one of the most beautiful is found in Psalm 46. This is what it says. God is speaking. He says, be what? Be still. Be still and know that I'm God. It's like God is just saying, stop it. Stop your frantic chasing and your craziness and just be here in this moment. Why is he saying this? Because here is where I am. God is always present in the moment. But we're rushing off to the next thing. So we're rushing. We need to slow down. But then we just need to be present where we are. Because if we would just choose that, if we would be there. See, here, right now, is what you'll look back on in the future and be sorry that you missed your family, God. You missed sunrises and sunsets, stars, you know, whatever it is. You, you missed the wonder and all that because you were looking for the next thing. Be still. So be, slow it down and just be where you are. So this last summer, I'm lying in somebody's backyard on a blanket with some of my family and we're at a lake, and we're watching fireworks. And I have to give a shout-out to Mike Williard, who does these amazing fireworks at the place where he lives, and he does them every year around the 4th of July. And so we're laying there, and we're watching these things. And, I mean, there's these incredible bursts of light and booms, and every, it's just, it, was, it was so awesome. Well, one of the family that was with me was my 2-year-old grandson, Abe. And he's climbing on top of me and everything, which is, I, I love that, you know, and we're just there. But I happened to look down from the fireworks, and I looked at Abe, and he's not looking at the fireworks. He's watching a firefly. And my first thought was, hey, dummy, have you looked up there? Because this isn't, and then the weirdest thing happened while I'm thinking that. This isn't all. And I started watching the firefly. They're amazing. Seriously, aren't they? They're amazing. Their butts glow. <laughs> I'd give good money for that now, I'm telling you. And I'm watching this firefly, and the thought hits me, when you choose to be where you are, there's wonder everywhere. Because it doesn't end when the fireworks stop. It's where you are. And Abe, he teaches me this all the time. It's like he sees something new and he's like, whoa. And I love that he has that and I'm sure he's probably going to grow out of it and it breaks my heart to think about it. We went to an ice cream place here in the area not too long ago, just in the last couple weeks and uh, maybe a little over a week ago and it was cold and they had, have a, like a petting zoo there but all the animals have been put away for the fall and so we're just out where the play stuff is and the animals were and, but there is left one turkey and one rooster. And so... <laughs> We're there, and Abe's just kind of playing around. I don't know, there were toys, and there's playground stuff there and everything, and he's just playing at something. And the rooster crows, and Abe goes, whoa. And I started laughing because it was like a rooster crowed. And he thought it was the seventh wonder of the world. And he ran over to where the rooster was because he wanted to try to get it to go crow again. Of course, roosters don't perform on demand, and so it doesn't. It doesn't crow, so finally he loses interest and he wanders away and the rooster crows. He's, whoa! He's back like, he did that like seven times. 
What he teaches me is there's so much wonder in the moment we live in, but we're so often so busy thinking about the next thing instead of being where we are that we miss that. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Slow down, slow down. Be there, be where you are, however you want to say it. And then the last thought is just be thankful. Be thankful, write it down, be thankful. Now, these three things that I'm saying, this one, in my estimation, will produce more of the feelings of contentment than anything else in your life. I do not believe it's right to be thankful so that you can get those feelings, but I'm just telling you that when you are, it happens because here's what's amazing is that you can be thankful anywhere, anytime. I, 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 hear this now. Life is never too hard for you to be thankful. That's quotable right there. Life is never too hard for you to be thankful. No matter how difficult things are, you can, in the middle of it, choose. See, this is how you choose commitment. You can choose to be thankful. You can choose it. So decades ago now, I met a couple who started coming to our church. They're like the age of my parents. And um, wonderful people. Their names were Meredith and Lansing, her husband Lansing. They love God. I spent a lot of time praying with them, got to know them. And I just loved them to pieces. Well, one day, this is way early in the history of our church. Um, it was my day off, and I was out in the backyard grilling something, and Ann called down from the window above and said, uh, there's a phone call for you. And so I talked to him, and, and it's either Meredith or her daughter, and they called to say that Lansing was in ICU at the local hospital here in Gary County, and that it didn't look good. Would I be willing to just come up and pray with them? I said, absolutely. So I raced up there. And when I got there, I, I will, I'll just never forget this. It's one of those uh, defining moments in my life. I walk in this tiny little room. This is the way it was many years ago now. They're at the hospital. There's a tiny little waiting room off of the ICU. And Lansing's in the ICU, and they're working on him. And I walk in, and there's Meredith and one of her daughters. And I gave them a hug and sat down. And they began to talk to me about what, what had happened with Lansing. And while they're telling me, the door opens a crack, and the doctor sticks his head in. I knew right away. It's not going to be good. And he just said, Meredith, I'm so sorry. You know, we did everything we could do, but uh, we could not save him, and he's gone. And then he just, I feel sorry for doctors when they have to do that. Oh, my gosh, can you imagine? And so, so he just said, you know, he just was very professional. said, if we can help you in any way, we, we have resources, just let us know. And she said, thank you. And so he backed out of the room, you know, I'm sure as fast as he could because it's very uncomfortable. And now this is my moment. This is when I'm supposed to show up and, and bring the spiritual thing, whatever. And I never know what to do in those situations. I always feel like an idiot. I'm always just standing there going, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. But in that moment, two things happened at the same time that I will never forget. When he shut that door, Meredith burst into tears and she's just sobbing, really in some ways uncontrollably, just sobbing. And at the same time, she started giving thanks to God. She's like crying, like sobbing because her husband just died of many years. And she's going, I want to thank you, God, that we had so many wonderful years together and that you gave us this love that we had for each other and that we had these wonderful children, that we shared these years of life together and that we knew so much good and so much wonder. And I'm listening to her cry and give thanks, sobbing, and giving thanks to God at the same time. And I'm like, I don't even know what, to, what is even going on right now. It was like the craziest thing. But it was so powerful in that moment. 
And I will never forget it because even in the darkest place in your life, there is room for you to give thanks. Now, did it make her instantly feel better and everything okay? I don't think it made her instantly feel better, but there was something in her that was so right. You know, I watched her really for many years after that as we got to know her even better. And, and I watched her life because she just gave thanks in all circumstances. Because what she was in effect saying is, whatever dark thing is happening, whatever's going on around, around me, God is still God. He's still good. There's still wonder. And so I'm going to give him thanks. And I'm just telling you, you, know, you and I have a choice. Honestly, we do. We can keep chasing how we feel. You know, we're going to fix it. We're going to make it happen. And then we have to chase the next thing or we can slow down. We can be where we are and discover the wonder in life and just be filled with thanks. We can be content. Amen, anyone? We can be content. So now, this time, and we have time for this. We're going to sing a couple songs. And I hope in this time you'll just open your heart to God and look for him to move. I'm going to pray. So let's stand to our feet together, if you would. And I'll pray, and then we'll just sing a little bit. And let's just, let's look for God. Holy Spirit, now, remind us to fully live with you and in you and be content. And instead of chasing to fix everything, help us, even as we work hard, slow it down and live with you. Be grateful because you are good. And so now we just come. We come in our brokenness and in our pain to the altar. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Thornapple Valley Church Podcast. If you found this message encouraging, we invite you to share it. For more information, visit tbcweb.com.